0: Welcome back. It's another edition of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast featuring yours truly, Jason Carapesi alongside my cohort, Paul Guglieri. Hello. How are you doing, Jason? Well, I'm drinking scotch again. Got a new bottle today.
1: Tell me about that bottle.
0: It's an Ardbeg, and it's a. Um, I was looking for the Oogadale. That's, that that's my the, usual That choice, is the bottle. Right? But they didn't have it. So the BevMo just opened up today. And we tape these things usually a little bit in advance. So where things are, where you are could be a little bit different as far as liquor stores reopening for in-store consumption, uh, pun intended. But, so I'm looking for this Ardbeg Oogadale and they don't have it, but they had the Ardbeg, oh God, I think it's called an Ow. It's like A-N space O-A. Is that a thing? Mm -hmm. However you pronounce that, probably some weird Scottish way of saying it. But anyway, it's, quite tasty.
1: Delicious. So I'm back
0: in the game, baby. Nice. What do you got there?
1: Oh, uh, just a little Lafroy. We're both drinking some Isla tonight, so. Yeah, that's true. It should be a smoky podcast.
0: Okay. All right. Easy. <laughs> Easy, cowboy. All right. Well, this week, um, we, we've listened to, in the recent times, we had our Gigaton review parts one and two. We talked about uh, the, what should the next vault release B, and this week we felt like um, this is actually courtesy of well in part due to uh, one of our listeners who wanted to talk about the best Pearl Jam uh, opener album opener and it's something that we had talked about as well that we wanted to talk about and when when this person brought it up I go you know what we got to do that straight away so this episode is gonna be all about judging the best album openers and the criteria as far as I'm aware is going to be you know, obviously the quality of the song, that's number one, probably. Of course. What's the significance of it as the first song of the album? How does it set the album up? Um, what's its quality there? So those are kind of the parameters. So you might have a song like, you know, let's say you like the song Brain of Che. It's your favorite song. But maybe you think there are better songs that can let off that album. Well, it may not be the best album opener then, as an example. So we're going to go down and do our our top five in reverse order, and then we'll kind of say what our honorable mentions are at the end. So I think we should start with you, Paul, with your number five best album opener. And what are you going to go with?
1: Number five spot here goes to Getaway on Lightning Bolt. It's just a, it's a great riff. It's got a fine drum breakdown with Eddie singing over the top of it in the middle of the song. Um lyrically i think it sets the tone for the entire album it's 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 not a i want to say it's a condescending song but it's it's the type of song that basically looks critically at the wealth inequality in this country and the divide between the haves and the have-nots and i think the song does a fantastic job of just you know for lack of a better term, I mean, it just really hits like a lightning bolt. You know what I mean? I know that that's, that's another song on the album, but this particular one here totally sets the tone, both lyrically and musically.
0: All right. Well, my fifth best album opener is Once. Uh, it's easy to... Well, for somebody like me who grew up with the band and that being their first kind of introduction to the band and the music and that first album... It's easy for me to say once is the best album opener, but uh, I listened to everything in a row, all the all the album openers in a row chronologically, and it came up with a different um, perspective after that. And so I put it at number five. Um, the opening riff is every time I hear that riff, I am immediately jacked up. And usually for me with album openers, I want it to be something that kind of hits you in the face. And gets that aggression going right out of the gate and good energy. That's kind of usually where I fit. But at the same time, I also think about it in the context of the live show. Where I often prefer quieter songs to kind of get you in the mood. Kind of like a warm up act kind of thing. And then hit you with the hard rocker. So I'm kind of of two minds. And this this track, I think, does a great job of really kind of hitting you over the head and not letting you up. It's got maximum energy from that, from that era, which had maximum energy. The whole outro just absolutely unleashes. It sets you up for the rest of the album. It's unrelenting. There's no point in the song for you to catch your breath. And the tone of the song's lyrics is a good microcosm for the rest of the album, I think. The thing that kind of brought it back down, because that all sounds well and good, is that I asked myself the question for every one of these, should it have been the opener? Is there a song on the album that would have been better served as the opener? And for me, I don't think it should have been the opener. I really? Think, correct. I think Oceans or Why Go, for obviously different reasons, would have been better served as the opener for 10. And we'll, we'll probably have an episode down the line, uh, many episodes. Where are, are we, we going to rese- retract
1: these albums, Jason?
0: Yes, we will. We will re- <laughs> retract these albums at some point. And this is kind of like a little teaser for that. So for me, I'm going to put Once at number five. Okay, okay. that That's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off.
1: (laughs) Um, All right, so coming in at number four, bad cleanup.
0: Can I can I just interject real quick? Yes, please. All of the um, all the super fans out there who think that you know riot act or no code is like the greatest thing since sliced bread and scoff at those who love ten and verses and all that. They just got a little uh, antsy in the pantsy because like, oh, is Jason going to go outside the box here and go real nerdy and I. I might. We'll see. We'll you see might. See you might. Going.
1: Uh, well, I'm excited. I'm excited now. E- eager to see, you know, the, uh, what is it? The, the road not taken that you yes. seem to be on right now. I'm going, I'm um, David
0: frosting right
1: now. Uh, you're Robert frosting. Robert right frosting now. right now. Like I <laughs> um, okay. Two so, scotches in. give me a break. Two scotches. There you go. Uh, Batten cleanup, man. Number four for me is sometimes off no cope. It is the only opener of its kind. It's, it, it's a hushed welcome into what feels like a campfire in a shady grove or a, a dimly candlelit hallway before hell, hell just smashes you in the face. And it's a very introspective opening for a very introspective album. I, I think it, it might have arguably one of the best lines, one of the best lyrics of an opener To that point in the band's career, seek my part, devote myself, my small self, like a book amongst the many on a shelf. Just the resignation of it, but the the peaceful resignation of it. There there just seemed to be um, almost like a a walkabout happening on this album. Mm. And I feel like this song really creates that atmosphere. And followed up with Hail Hail, which I mean, <laughs> I could just imagine listeners who are so used to just Eddie's growl with headphones on like you and I are wearing right now and just turning up the dial as sometimes goes out saying, OK, is it, is it going to come in now? And then it doesn't. And then boom, like Hail Hail, mm-hmm. just bleeds your eardrums at that point in time. So I thought it was just a unique and uh, very appropriate song for that album as an opener. Uh, are there other songs that, that could open it? sure but i think the the dynamic of the album would change and so would the listening experience because that's the one song that kind of has that that hushed uh kind of provocative you know you come with me and, and let's let's sit and have a little chat feel to it
0: i like where you're going with this um for me number four is go oh all right uh I think that the false intro with uh it's just the bass and drums kind of thing. It's an uneasy tension and then it, bomb 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 bomb. Bom. Oh my lord. Unrelenting energy again, similar to the vein of once, just beats you over the head. It's three thirteen, but it feels shorter. A because of the false intro, and B because it just it just doesn't let up. No, it does Dave A's drumming is incredible. It does not allow the song to breathe. Mike's closing solo is like musical suffocation. <laughs> I almost get anxiety listening to it, especially after the last half uh, that with that dissonant bending that he does over Dave's snare roll. It's just like, ah! Of course, it leads right into Animal, which it, which helps both songs, I think. The lyrics are distressing and then do a good job of setting the tone for the rest of the album, which is kind of distressing in many ways. But I always come back to that last question. Should it have been the opener? And I think yes with an asterisk. I think if you listen listen to Leash that very easily could have been the album opener. So I think Go does a great job of opening this album up, but there's a little little crack there, a little little crack in the in the door for Leash to slide right through. So it's not quite to the top to the top for me. But it's very can good.
1: I, can I respond to that briefly? You, you may. I may. Outstanding. Okay, so <clears throat> Uh, Versus comes after 10 as we know and, and I almost feel, I agree with you that there, there's something that feels like a Versus was a bit of a protest album in some respects and, and Leash as far as it being like an anthem of a generation for many, at least lyrically when you, when you listen to that song I completely agree that that song could very easily serve as, as an opener but there's a certain personal intimacy that comes with the song Let Go that I think works well as a bridge between the mm-hmm preceding album and this one and it's it's almost like you have to walk you have to go with the band through that to get to what this album versus will become so that would just be a counterpoint to it's interesting to then
0: because you're taking the concept of i don't want to say old people but you and i who who like to listen to albums as albums i know that's kind of an uh Archaic way of looking at things because everything has in the last decade um, has been so um, single minded. Again, sure. pun intended. I'm a lot of puns today for me. <laughs> wow. So, you know, the way we consume music now is so much more singularly. Um, and I think if you're really thinking about it, not just from the level of, hey, this album is a thing by itself, but even thinking greater than that, higher up in the atmosphere and looking at the entire catalog as one chapter to another then I completely understand what you're saying. And like I said, I said, yes, it should be the opener. It's a little asterisk. So I'm, I hear I'm you. basically there with you. Number three.
1: Okay, so in the three hole here, I've got, uh, well, go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for, for for me, I it, I think you can make the argument that it's the band's fastest track in terms of tempo and timing. Uh, you're right, it doesn't lit up, but it, it also is a very dark tone setter of desperation for an album that to me is marked by the band feeling like they were five against one and so this in terms of it it being uh, thematically related to the album I feel that this particular song encapsulates the mood and the tone of the entire album even though lyrically there are other songs that seem to stand out like you mentioned leash you listen to a song like WMA uh, but, but think of think of Think of Go and Indifference as bookends to this song. Mm. I'm sorry, to this album, pardon me. Think of Go and Indifference as bookends to this album. And when you see it that way, you almost can't imagine any other song leading the album off. And for that reason, I think it, it's it's just one, one of the quintessential openers in the band's catalog.
0: Yeah, Indifference is one of the songs that has to be... The album closer, kind of how mm-hmm. we said that Rivercross had to be the album closer for Gigaton. Right. So uh, that's a point well made. I, I take that. My third spot, we're doing a little flippy floppy here, is sometimes. All right. So, like you said, I mean, there's no immediate punch that usually I'm kind of looking for, but there is like an anxious tension and it builds slowly throughout the song until the outro. But the last part of the lyrics is kind of where it crescendos for me. And so, by the outro, I'm left feeling uneasy yet safe in a way and how it doesn't even really end It just sort of or fade out for that matter it just sort of kind of goes as you said and then all of a sudden just without kind of any regard for your ears hail hail pounds through right so i mean lyrically it's very in tune with the rest of the album in a um, it's very introspective and isolationist and attitude in a lot of ways it, it kind of you kind of you're talking about yourself and this uneasy kind of you know i'm I mean, you said it really gracefully, so I'm not going to even bother. But the question then comes down to, should it have been an opener? And I 100% say yes, because of that one-two punch with Hail Hail. It's phenomenal. And I come back to that live setting. It's like, yeah, this has opened up a lot of shows. And I think about, well, how often has this been played where it's not been a show opener or maybe even an encore opener? There's nothing ever before it.
1: No, I, I don't think you'll ever hear that song played it's, in the middle of a of a show.
0: It's not because yeah. it's meant for that for that moment. So that's why it's exactly. a great, solid number three for me.
1: Completely agree. Number two. So batting second, last exit off vitology. Oh man, yeah, th- this track is it, it's a fantastic song. It like the others before it sets the tone for the entire album this desire to burn away the past and start anew. Uh, I think it resonates on so many levels for where the band was at at that time. Um, you know, that they, they were really kind of almost torn apart. I mean, there was the battle with Ticketmaster. There, there was so much going on during that, that period of time. And this song seems to capture that era of the band. And it's next in line along with, you know, once and, and go of these very dark openers. And I think these albums, there's a certain, there's a darkness to them. And uh, that's okay. You know, it's not a darkness and and the, the darkness is a tool to communicate to the feelings that I think were smoldering within the listener and the band at the, at the, at the time, as opposed to, you know, darkness for the sake of just being dark and, and, you know, morose and you know emo or whatever <laughs> so this is for, not a
0: corn podcast, podcast
1: no it is not exactly so for the last corn but I mean, exactly but i mean it's, it's a dark song you know and you you think of a song like immortality off the same album and while immortality technically is not the last song on mm-hmm. vitology i do think that you can make the argument that in some respects it is and the, they serve as a wonderful bookend. It's almost a full circle with Last Exit to Immortality. And so I, I think it's just a fantastic opener for that album.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I find it interesting that you say that because one of the last notes I had on that song in my research here was that I thought that it could close an album. Oh, ah, the way that it ends, this is my last exit. Boom. End of, a, a, end it, of album. I agree. That's because great I mean, we, we think about, you know, I need to Two, to and boxy mop, you know, those are bridges between proper quote unquote musical scapes. Right. So if you were to either remove that at least foxy mop or what, you know, if you kind of got rid of those things and just focus on the, on the actual, you know, heat of the meat kind of thing, I think last exit could be a really good closer. So that's why I didn't have it um, where you have it. But nevertheless, I digress. Right. Hmm. uh okay so my number two is whoever said ah. i'm staying hey, current. there's the curveball staying current so all right you have an eerie opening it reminds me kind of of that master um opening that leads into once except there's no defined start to this quote-unquote song however that definition still feels connected to the eerie opening in a way right then you have the false start, and then you have Ed's opening riff and the sound effects in, in, in your ears and the way they panned uh, pan it in the, in the mixing process, and my head is immediately popping. Immediately, I'm just getting after it. Matt comes in, boom, here we go. Ed sounds ready to tell you a story, and I am listening. I want to listen. He makes me feel like, it makes me feel like the first couple of records, the way that I really want to listen to this song. And I think lyrically, it's very much a theme for the record things may suck but we cannot give up we've got to stick together and make this work and that's that's literally the whole record you know we there's a lot of complaining in the record and a lot of distress but ultimately it's like we've got to band together and, and do this share the light as it were um so i think that's a good kind of thematic opening for the album uh it's an emotional roller coaster the album is as well as the song and it's the longest opener although it never really lets up over those five minutes which is interesting to me And then again, the last question, should it have been the opener? Absolutely. Can't think of a better song to open that record. So that's why I think it's a very strong number two.
1: Could you have opened this album with 7
0: o'clock? I mean, Stone Gossard recently said that there are millions of masterpieces sitting around. So I would have had uh, 7 o'clock on the cutting room floor. (laughs) So no. (laughs) Maybe that's hope for uh,
1: <laughs> for a double album, right? The melancholy, the sadness we never got.
0: Right? I know, right. Um, okay. All right. Drum roll. Drum roll. Number one for you, Paul.
1: Go. It, it's once.
0: <laughs> it's
1: hey. It's once, and, and you know what? It, it, this is not me phoning it in. This is not uh, the you know j- just take take the take the easy way. No, it, to me, this song is an introduction to Pearl Jam. The angst, the rage, the intensity, the blistering rock—like we had never heard before—all of that is this song. Um, and the fact that it's part of a, a trilogy, the Mama Son trilogy it's you know, Alive at, at least at this time was that and Evenflow. I think were the iconic Pearl Jam songs, and Once was so intimately tied to that track and this album. Uh, just the, the master slave intro that leads into it—it it, to me, it's just the, their finest opening moment ever. Uh, is it the most unique? No. Is it the most creative? Uh, no, it's not. That being said, though, it's the most iconic for me. And uh, I can't imagine that record opening with any other song. Uh, uh, every song on it is outstanding, but every song on it was perfectly tracked where it is. And it's, it's, it's so number
0: you know, one. So let, so let me ask you, I mentioned before when I ranked it number five that I thought Oceans or Why Go, for different reasons, could be a very, very good album opener over this. What do you think? I think Why Go is... Because um, that, that, both of those songs have opened shows many times.
1: Th- they have, but and I, I don't think Once has. No, it, it hasn't. Um, I think Why Go, it, it has that, uh, you know, that, the drum intro, right? It kind of has that, that, that feel of a song like, like Getaway uh where you you kind of have the drums in introing the track i don't know i, I just feel like pearl Jam's music was so guitar driven at that point in time that i mean it's just before uh, matt came on board before we had jack uh, even before dave really i mean that this was uh this was cruisin i think on that mm-hmm. album right so it, it to me <clears throat> this song was the band at that time in terms of this is who we are and and we're here to hit you in the mouth like you've never been hit before and this introduced the world on many levels to eddie vetter just his his singing style is perfectly captured in this song and so when i think about the song that captures who the band was at that time it's not even flow, it's not alive, it's not Jeremy. I mean, those are all great songs, but once to me was, was there was something that it captures the infancy of the band. And uh, yeah, that for me, it's just, it, it's tough to beat that. That's a it's also it, uh, you say it's bold, but it's not that bold. What I was going to say is, is when I first heard this album, it was my favorite song on the album, which means it was my first favorite Pearl Jam song mm. as well. So I have a particularly personal attachment to it for that respect as well.
0: Take that, Black. Mm. But I was hey, going to that say... That's currently my favorite song. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a bold thing to say that, that Once is, you know, the quintessential Eddie singing song when alive and even flow were made the band i mean and jeremy basically made the band what they were in that moment um i would i'm obviously i love 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 once so i'm not going to argue with you at all um i will say that as an addendum i think the opening riff to that song is one of the best riffs i've ever written it's a stone riff and i think it's as iconic as the even flow riff again another stone riff with that, deen, 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 deen. Oh, my yeah. God, that's just every time I hear that, I'm like, Oh, here we go, here we yeah, go. That's right. But not my f- best album opener. My best album opener, Breaker Fall. Huh. I'm going Breaker Fall. And I'll tell you why. The d- first drum and guitar hit, bang! There is no wedding around. We are off to the races. Tension, 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 anticipation, and then Eddie's scream. And then Matt's drumming. it makes it, I feel like I'm barreling down a mountain when he, when he brings in the drums for the verse. It's the shortest opening track. It leaves no room to breathe. Even the bridge to the outro makes me uneasy. And then you have J, just bass line that kind of carries the momentum even faster down the mountain, almost like it's picking up moss and getting faster and faster and faster down the mountain. Lyrically, I think it absolutely sets the tone for the record. Love is the cure. Get out, get out of your own way to be happy. That kind of thing. And when I think about what else could have opened that album i can't think of anything else uh every I, I i don't think i've ever heard this song live to my to my knowledge i'll have to check the old pj stat tracker app to confirm that <laughs> but i don't if i've heard it i can't remember when i have but i wish i could have a show open with this um I, I love this song and i think it's the perfect album opener for binaural and i know you have issue with binaural in a lot of other ways Resequencing sequencing that and songs that were left off, yada, yada, yada. But for right. me, as a, as a total package as far as an album op- album opener, break or fall, baby. Love it. Cool.
1: You know what? I, I don't fault you for that. Uh, that actually that came in for me at number seven. So it, it, it nearly made my
0: top five. So then uh, you, you basically teased it. So what were your honorable mentions, six through 11?
1: So six was Brain of J., Uh, Eddie's growl and then that like falsetto-esque chorus are uh, juxtaposed (laughs) well for an album that seems to always be teetering from one side to another between No Code and Vitology. I feel like that album just seems to have elements of both of those. And that song seems to capture that mood for me. Um, After that would be Break or Fall. This is where Eddie the Storyteller returns, right? You know, got a girl on a ledge and she's got nothing to lose, and it it has one of the best lyrics of an opening song. You know, there's a girl on a ledge who's got nowhere to turn because all the love that she had was just wood that she burned. Uh, I, mean, yeah, I is, love what I love lyric. the lyrics in this song. I it's, love it's, the it's fantastic. Song. You know, it's it's a solid rocker. It's quick. It hits. Uh, there's that same desperation that we find in Go, but it's also right before. Uh, Bush got elected right so the song and the album both seem to echo that feeling of uneasiness yeah like that like we're not Stable here and something it's going to lead. It's basically 2015 right? I mean 99 and two. so you just have this feeling that there's an uneasiness and it's leading us somewhere and we don't really know where but we don't like it and that's going to eventually lead us to what we saw in 2000. So I thought that was just a fantastic. I'm I'm totally with you. And I have no uh, arguments there. I I take no umbrage with the idea that. that Well, I should hope not. No, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) wasted, wasted for me comes in at eight. Uh, Why? Because to me, this song was Pearl Jam turning a new leaf. You know, Mm. Uh, I'm never going back again, which to me personified what this entire album was about. Uh, I could see opening it with the reprise version of it, but at the same time, I think th- this song was that album in terms of setting the tone lyrically and thematically. Uh, number nine is whoever said for me it 's growing on me I still think it 's too long uh, <sighs> i don't i don 't argue with its placement i mean you, you look at the track listing for for the album and it 's hard to pick another one and say that the album should begin here. Uh, that being said, I think the more and more I listen to some of these songs, I I, I could see a song like uh, "It's All Right," right? Or I could see I could see that song opening the album. But mm. I, I do think whoever said it is a solid opener to that that album. Uh, right after that, here would be "Can't Keep." Uh, like sometimes it's unique and there's nothing like it in terms of being an album opener. And I do think that it also sets the tone for the album. The one that was just bottom of the barrel for me is gonna see my friend. Uh, it's just, it's entirely forgettable as a track. Uh, the lyrics online say, Well, I said I, I won't be long before we walk off the wire. But l- the liner notes read, Buena Serra, not Well, I said I, which is bizarre it, it, to me. It is so, Buena Serra. That, that's what I mean. So yeah. you look online, but if that's the case, why are you using language for a foreign language? And it just, it's because silly. The, the whole Italian, song
0: is- Italian is a beautiful language, and how no, see, dare you I am besmirch Italian its good name? And it has no place in the song. How I dare look. you besmirch the good name of Italian?
1: It is a silly song, Jason. I'm well, sorry. Well, guess what? You know what? That should have been on the cutting room floor. That should have been a B side <laughs> to the fixer you know, or something.
0: Some people would argue that the entire album should be on the cutting room floor. Mm.
1: I disagree. I, I but never I've felt heard that. that way, man. Yeah, we'll have to have a we'll get a there podcast devoted to that one. <clears throat>
0: All right, so quick, I'll go quickly through my bottom uh, six, as it were. Six, uh, I'm with you, Brain of J. Uh, it is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Man, mm-hmm. that, that riff Mike Great is fantastic. Jack's drumming, I mean, just fantastic. And should it have been the opener? Absolutely. And how it feeds right into Faithful is very, very cool. Uh, my next one is Gonna See My Friend. Oh, uh, the reason why. Now, listen. I I think it's probably the second or third weakest song of the opener as a song will go. So I agree with you in that sense. But because it's on that album, I think it actually sets the album up really well. Uh, Musically, it hits you in the face. It reminds me of kind of how how Go introduces verses in a way. And the outro does not let up, again, kind of like Go does with a little twist of Last Exit. Uh, Lyrically, I think it feels like Backspacer... Has less of a theme and more a collection of stories, so I don't think it matters lyrically where that one is. But I don't think there's another song on that album that kind of let it off, so I think it's why it's there and not lower. Uh, after that, I've got "Getaway." Mm. I love the song, but you know, it just—I I feel like Pendulum had to open that record, it had to, and it didn't. Uh,
2: you so know what? Yeah. that was a big I'm problem for me.
0: Uh, After that, I've got... I'm scrolling through my notes here. After that, I've got Last Exit. And the reason that I've got Last Exit there... I know, it's third from the bottom, and I love Last Exit, but it's got this kind of comfortable groove that doesn't feel like it's meant to open an album. And like I said before, I really feel that it has the right energy to close an album, especially the outro. For me the beginning of that album should be Corduroy. Just right out of the gate, the way that it op- opens up, that should be 100% the album opener. So that's why it's not number nine. Number 10, I've got Life Wasted. Uh, it is. It, com- it comes out swinging, which is great. Really nice riffs, but there's not enough oomph like other songs do. Lyrically, I think you're right. It kind of sets the tone really well. But again, like you, I think Wasted Reprise should have let off the album. That was one of the big things is I think that could have obviously retitled, not reprised because that wouldn't make any sense. But right. if that led the album off and then went straight into Marker in the Sand, I think you've got a better opening duo there than Life hmm. Wasted into Worldwide Suicide. I think Life Wasted could have been a back end, maybe not not closer because that's inside Jobs' job to lose. But I think right before that possibly. Uh, the last part I've got Can't Keep. You know, it's that's a that's a strange song because it's very chill. Matt's drumming. I mean, we didn't know it at the time, but it came from Ed on the on the Uke, and obviously we found that out mm-hmm. years later, which is why it sounds so foreign as a Pearl Jam song, and which is probably why they don't play it very often now. Right. But lyrically, the ideas of escapism, it's not a new concept to the band, but the terrain of Riot Act feels more all over the place to me than this being a microcosm of what's to come so it feels kind of more of a mid-album track than an opener and i i think the question of what should have opened is easily for loveboat captain so again that kind of weighed heavily on me and and it's probably one of the weaker um, quality songs as far as openers go which is why i have it last
1: I like Love Boat Captain at three, but your argument for Corduroy opening Vitology is really strong. I hadn't thought of that before, and th- I can see that. And if that, if if the criteria is it has to be the only song that could work as an opener, I I completely agree that you'd have to bump a song like Last Exit down
0: a bit. I mean, that was like I said, that was like the big end question for me on all these right. songs, and yeah, not all of t- the top five. I said yes to I mean once was number five and I thought oceans are why go might be better served to open the album so that wasn't the end-all be-all but the thing is is that if the song quality was a little bit you know mid to bottom of the of the table then that last question weighed heavily and if you couldn't justify yourself being number one if there's another song that easily could have been number one then you were gonna drop down the old ladder there that makes sense that makes sense all right well with that we will get to our lyric of the week All right, this week's Lyric of the Week comes from one of these album openers. It comes from Lightning Bolt's Getaway, and here it is.
2: is All
0: right, Paul, so I'll leave this one off. from a literal standpoint, I identify with this uh, lyric because there was a time when I too was trapped in a struggle between religion and no religion, okay? I, if you didn't know this, was a Catholic altar boy when I was a young lad, okay? No incidents, I went to CCD class, and as I grew older into high school, I started questioning a lot of things. I always kind of thought church was boring, but not until I got to high school that I start questioning you know, the theories, you know, and the stories. I go to college and I was convinced to stop believing in religion, okay? I went my own way. And the people around me gave me the confidence to make that choice and to forge my own path. So on the literal side of things, I get this lyric. On a more abstract point of view, a more macro point of view, I think this is great because it's, it's basically a call to anyone to believe in themselves while respecting others' right to do their own thing. So I don't feel like you have to be one of the crowd. You can, you can get out of your way, out of their way, and just get away, as it were, and be yourself and have as much confidence in, your, in yourself as you have respect for others to do the same thing. So it's kind of like the golden rule of sorts with a little pushback on those claiming otherwise, like a mini protest of sorts. So I, th- I think it seems pretty apropos now, especially, but that's kind of what I got out of that portion and the, the, the song as a whole as well.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, there's something in the conviction of the track and in the lyric, this idea that I, I know what's mine is mine and what you're offering is not going to take that place and it's time for you to leave. You know, you, you make your getaway uh, and the implication there is that there, there's a certain desire to flee and to run away from something that's real and true and real and true always requires hard work. And there's something in the song that just it seems to echo the sentiment of trusting the unknown, and I, I think there's there's a powerful message in that. So great lyric and
0: excellent choice. I think there is. You, you mentioned you know the unknown. That's something that I think humans have an issue with, and I, I think many would argue that the reason why certain things like religion exist is to fill in the gaps of the unknown to make ourselves feel more comfortable and have some sort of explanation for things that we have not yet proven through verifiable evidence. We we, we've created stories and uh, anecdotes and fables to, to teach life lessons or to teach, you know, young ones and how to respect other people. And, you know, we could talk for days about, you know, well, is that inherently human or is that taught or is that religion or is that God or whatever. But the idea of not knowing something is so people fear that which they don't understand. So when you don't know why you're here or why anything happens, you know, people want to fill in those gaps. They want to know, they want to feel more comfortable. So I think you make an excellent point to say, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in in heading out into the unknown and figuring out for myself kind of thing. All right, let's move on to the live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! All right, Paul, live cut of the week. It's coming from Getaway. Uh, where are we going with this one? So we're going to Phoenix.
2: Ooh, how come?
1: Can- because you can boil an egg on the concrete in July. No, that's not why we're going. That's not why we're going to Phoenix. Uh, we're going to Phoenix. Uh, God, I wish I, I, I wish we were going to Phoenix for, for spring training again. Who, oh, does, who does not miss baseball right now? Uh, why Phoenix? Phoenix, November 19th, 2013. That's why we're going to Phoenix. And uh, Pearl Jam played 35 songs that night. And it was the first time they had been back to Phoenix, if my records are correct, in 10 years So the crowd was charged. And it used to
0: be a regular stop for
1: it. It had been exactly, you know, and, and so here they show up and, and there's some friendly banter about, Hey, it's been 10 years since we've been here and who knows, maybe it'll be another 10 after that. And it's like, Oh God, don't say that. Uh, Guess what? That's in
0: three years. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) So, (laughs) so they, you know, they've got this, this electric show. It's an outstanding set list. I mean, you know, Obviously, the set list is not related to the reason I chose the song. But it, it to me, it's an iconic show that if we didn't have shows that were released as, as vault releases, right? Like, let's just say we didn't get every show from every tour like we do these days. We're spoiled, you know? I can easily see this show being one of the ones that gets released. Um, it really is an outstanding set list and outstanding show. The crowd is super into it. There's all these little great nuggets from the show. You know, uh, there's a great moment where Ed talks about how the, uh, on the inside, they all refer to Jeff as the sheriff, which is so funny because he he seems to be the most understated. And, and you know what I mean? Everything about him seems in terms of the way he communicates, it, it doesn't come across as like sheriff, but then again, it's always the quiet ones, right? Um, it's gotta be a
0: Montana thing.
1: It it, it probably is. Yeah. You know, but, um, there, there's something in the set where he mentions how Jeff's at, at the time, anyway, Jeff's parents had been together for about 52 years and Stone's parents had been together for 52 years. And then he mentions that there was a guy there who knew his dad and he did not know about this man's existence. Wait, and I'm it, sorry. Back it up. Who is okay, that? So, so, so Eddie mentions that there's someone in the stands, somebody watching the show that night. Yeah, who knew his father. Who knew Ed's father? Who knew who knew Ed's father? Got but it. he never knew that guy growing up.
0: Oh wow, yeah, 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 for sure.
1: And this guy played in a band with Eddie's dad, and the guy gave Eddie a recording of his father singing. No way. And, and, and yeah, and Eddie remarks, he's like, "Yeah, my dad was pretty good, you know." And I just thought that. That there was something very um, comfortable about this, and, and we just talked about feeling comfortable with the unknown, right? And and here they go into this place they hadn't been there for ten years, and they're just dishing and and talking about family, and and obviously Ed's family dynamic is vastly different than yeah. Stone and, and and Jeff's parents being together for fifty two years, but. I just thought it was this profound moment that was being shared with the audience, and the comfort level of the band allowed them to play this particular song with the conviction that the lyrics personify. And it hits hard, the guitars are crisp, the audio is outstanding. Um, it, it just, it's a great, great version of this track, Jason.
0: Excellent. November 19th, 2013 in Phoenix. I tell you, Paul. I said it in the uh, first part when we we're talking about the openers, and the way this song ends reminds me of "Go" in the way that the energy just dan 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 dan, yeah, and then just boom. It's it's such a strange song because it, it ends higher than it starts. You know, it, it kind of starts. Right. Oh, this is a cool little rock and roll song, and it just, it just ends melting your face off. So. I have, we've heard this song together actually in, uh, in Los Angeles in 2013 it's the only time I've ever heard the song and hearing that version makes me want to hear it again whenever we hear them again or see Agreed, them again my friend all right my friend well there's another episode in the books uh, we will be back with you next week for more and until then you're listening to
1: the state of love and Trust